following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go Cowboys! This is Talkin' Cowboys. Streaming live from the Dallas Cowboys World Headquarters at the Star in Frisco. Hand of Elliott plowing to the goal line. Barry sacked by Lord. Prescott keeps it and he bangs it into the touchdown. And now your hosts, Isaiah Stanback. Heckma Harrison, Rob Phillips, and Kyle Yeomans. It is a bi-week edition of Talking Cowboys presented by Tostitos, the official chip and the official dip of the Dallas Cowboys here from the SWBC studios at the Star in Frisco. And we've got a special episode today and tomorrow for you all on DallasCowboys.com. And the reason for it is this is not the normal cast of characters all day long on our podcast. We are switching things up for the bye week. And, of course, we switch things up on Talking Cowboys with Danny McRae. No Isaiah Stanback. No He's Isaiah Stanback. I do have Driz, but I am not him. He is not me. <laughs> I am. Uh, thanks, thanks, CB, for the Survivor music. I was about to say, is that Survivor music in the background? Yeah, on the Players Lounge, CB, you know, he, uh, he likes to play that every time. Um, uh, New York or Barry bring up Survivor. So, uh, oh, you know, we, we, we have that. Yeah, so you, you've got the former Cowboys side of you. You've got the Survivor now side of you as you are still on the show yes. on CBS yes. moving forward. I mean, at least at the moment, heading into this week. We, of course, that airs tonight, right? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow, tomorrow night. At 7 That's right. Tomorrow was Wednesday. I'm already mixed we, up. Listen, it's Survivor takes over the TVs on Wednesday, and we're trying to get it to take over the Cowboys Nation on Wednesdays as well. There you go. Well, this is a great way to do it. And we'll talk a little bit of Survivor, I feel like, throughout the next two days. But we'll also have David Hellman joining the show at some point. But we are the early show. We're the 9 a.m. show normally yes. on DallasCowboys.com. And Dave's usually up, but... At least not today. It doesn't seem like that. <laughs> him and him and Rob had the adventure of a lifetime trying to get back from Boston from the New England game uh, the last couple of days. So I give Dave a pass on this one. Now, if he's late again tomorrow, that's a different well, story. Well, yeah, listen, you got to think of it this way, okay? So Dave, we pull out a big win at LSU on Saturday. <laughs> it's true. We pull out an overtime win on Sunday in, in, uh, in Foxborough. Plane goes crazy. He's not able to get home. So he's had a very, very interesting weekend, all right? So his mind is probably a little shaken up. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll be back tomorrow on time. Yeah, I'm sure he will be. And, of course, you and Dave, both LSU homers. There he is, smiling. <laughs> oh, look at him. He's like ear-to-ear walking in. No, uh, he's, he's frowning because Coach O's leaving. Oh, that didn't take very long. <laughs> Looked a little offended when you said that, too. When y'all start the show like that, I can't pretend like I wasn't late. <laughs> but we were just saying how late you were. But we gave you many excuses and yes. many reasons uh, that, 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 we, that seemed valid. I need to talk to management about making the guy who lives the furthest away do the earliest show. The, the 9 a.m. show. What's going on? Hi. Hey. Hey, buddy. Hello. Hi, Danny. Hi, Dave. Go Tigers. Welcome. Go Tigers. We were just talking about... How you had a long weekend. You had the 49-42 win LSU over Florida. Sure did. Then you had the overtime win with the Cowboys over the Patriots. Yes. And then an adventure getting back home. Yeah, yeah. I love football season. It's just the best. (laughs) It's just nothing's better than watching football and acting like that's exhausting. You know, like, oh, what a weekend. I sat and watched people (laughs) kill themselves for my entertainment. I just i am so tired. I will say this, that. Emotionally exhausting. Oh, sure. That game yeah, was yeah. Oh, because the God. first three minutes was like, 
oh man, what like wh- who are we? And then it, we settled down a little bit, and then you got to the end, and it was like like a Game of Thrones episode where you know <laughs> it just it was like up and down and super exciting, and then you're like yay ah oh, yay ah, oh, and then you know we we pull it out. It's been a minute, man. But so 2019 was a disappointing season. 2020 was obviously terrible. So it's been at least three-ish years since the Cowboys have played like a classic, you know, mm-hmm. like a game where you're like, yeah, that was that's on an, on a top that's on a top ten somewhere of like just mo- at least in the modern era of like right. most entertaining games. Like certainly, certainly Mike McCarthy's tenure that's probably the best game of his tenure as head coach, just in terms of entertainment value. What? The Atlanta game last year. I was thinking year. that. Okay. Was, was little, right. You're, the, right. The, You're right. You're right. I think yeah. this was a better game oh, to absolutely. start to finish, though. I mean, really, like you said, the well, first yeah, three minutes of the game. Well, yeah, because a blowout doesn't become interesting yeah. until the comeback yeah, absolutely. starts. Absolutely. So, yeah. so that, that was my one thing with it. And I thought the same thing. I was trying to stack this win in terms of where it ranks among McCarthy's career, among the Cowboys games that I've seen, at least as an employee here. And I, I don't think there's one that was better. Just in terms of a beginning to end entertainment value, of course, the the lore of not winning in New England since 87, and of course not beating Bill Belichick. I mean, there's so many different storylines that all just kind of panned out the right way, and it made it super entertaining. I don't want to exaggerate too much, but so this is my ninth season. I don't think, I think it's in my top 10 just best games that I have personally covered for DallasCowboys.com. It's right up there with like 2016 in Pittsburgh. 2014 in Seattle. Hmm. Um, yeah. Hell, I'm just, Man, those were two great games. I mean, and, and I, I think those two are both better than this one probably, but... But this ah, man, it's just fun, man. I, John Fossil took the words right out of my mouth yesterday, um, which is funny because he's coaching the game, but I appreciate that he can stop and appreciate it. He's like, yeah, sometimes you're just in a game where even in the heat of the moment when you're making the calls and worrying about this, that, and the other, you're still like, Damn, what a what a game this is! And that's I was standing, me, Nick, and Rob watched the end of the game from like ju- we're not allowed on the field, but like just inside the tunnel at Gillette, we're kind of watching the field and looking at the jumbotron. I was just like, God, this is this is incredible! Just what a football game! I think, and I think that's the big difference too, because. I was here, and uh, yep. and I've never actually been on the winning side of a game like that. It's usually on the losing side. I think back to uh, to Denver when Peyton Manning was there, and, oh, no. and they came here, and I, I think nobody could stop anyone from scoring. Right? No. It, 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 it could be an interception it's or something. It's like 51-48 final. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And, and we're playing the game, and, and you're hoping that it goes the way that it, that it went uh, on Sunday. But, you know, our history at that time was just – it just didn't work out for us. Uh, so it was exciting, but – we, we ended up on the wrong side of it. Let me ask you this. So if, let's say the Patriots had a better record than what they are now. I mean, what, they're 2-4 and four at the moment Yeah. now with the loss? So if they were, let's say, reverse that. They were at 4-1 and one going to 4-2. and two. Do you think that would be classified as a better game overall? Do you think just the fact that the Patriots with a rookie quarterback, an offense that had been stagnant up until Week 6, do you think that took away any from what – this game looks like from the grand scheme of things? I, I mean, I get where you're going. And yeah, like going back to those, that Seattle game, right? Or be, like Peyton Manning, that the sure. best statistical offense of all time, or at least it was at the time. It, maybe maybe you puff your chest out a little bit more. Maybe it's more of a measuring stick because you're like, those guys are going to be there at the end of the year. I know mm-hmm. they are. And I, 
I doubt the Patriots are going to make a ton of noise in the playoffs this year. But even like you just you don't apologize for wins in the NFL. Like should it have been should it have been that thrilling? No. Like they should have scored two touchdowns in the red zone and maybe won that game by 10 or 14 points, honestly. Like they played yep. a very sloppy game, but you don't apologize for going on the road and beating anybody in the NFL. Yeah, I, I actually think that that was a good thing about it, right? I think uh, w- when you're on a team and, and and you're trying to get to the Super Bowl and you watch some of those teams that have made it to the Super Bowl, you see them get lucky sometimes. You see them pull out wins in those sloppy games where everything goes wrong, but they find a way to pull out the win. And I think that is a signature for a team that's uh, that, that's poised to make a long run into the playoffs. I'm so glad you said that, Danny, because I've seen – and I know it's it's always a vocal minority. I'm not saying a lot of people feel this way, but I've seen fans that are like – Super Bowl teams don't do this. Super Bowl, they, they don't play games like this. I'm like, the hell they don't? <laughs> Super Bowl teams play ugly games all the time. Like, and that's, I mean, that's the mark of a good team is winning a clunky game. Yeah. Like when, when you play terrible and can still find a way to pull it out of the fire, that's, that's the mark of a good team. And so that's what I'm, yeah, like maybe if the Patriots still had Brady and you knew that they were going to win 13 games this year, you feel a little bit, no, you feel a lot better about that win. But you should still feel good that you can go on the road, play kind of crappy in several aspects of the game, and find a way to win. And and, and I wouldn't take anything away from the fact that they're on a four game winning streak. Like it's so many things in their mind that can that, like they're trying to get to the bye week. They're trying to be healthy, but they but they're also trying to win that last game. So in your mind, it's just a lot of stuff going on, and it's very very hard to go on a winning streak that long without making mistakes like we did uh, on Sunday. How much does something like that, that mindset, those different things, kind of? sneaking their way into a mindset heading into a game, especially with a great coaching staff on the other side. I mean, even if the Patriots aren't there in the playoffs, they still have Bill Belichick as their as their head coach. They still have McDaniels. They still have Belichick 2.0. They, they have so many guys on that sideline that can make mistakes for you. And, of course, the, the Cowboys did show that they can make mistakes there. But with all of those different things from a mindset standpoint, how hard is it to keep it straight from a player's side? Uh, man, I, I will be lying to you if I said that it's just you go out there and you just focus on on the task at hand, but it's really not that easy. Yeah. Um, you have to really, really fight throughout the week to try to uh, center your mind back onto the task at hand. And then when you get out there and you're playing a certain way and you're like, man, it's starting to it's starting to look bad. And you then you start to think back to last year. Like, man, we weren't able to pull pull out these games when we made these mistakes last year. And I think that's the the sign of how we've changed as a team. As you look at it, you look back and you say, man, last year we weren't able to do this, all right? But this year we're a different team. So we're going to come out and we're going to make whatever play we have to make, no matter what happens. Because think about the mindset after Trayvon Diggs get the, gets that interception for a touchdown, and then you get bombed ne- the next one for a 75-yard touchdown. Usually your mind goes, man, we just cannot figure out a way to get it done. Everything is going against us. The refs suck. The whatever, it, like nothing can fall in our favor. But this year on this team, we come back and we're like, all right, uh, we, we, we're not budging. Come back, C.D. Lamb dances into the end zone for for a walk-off touchdown. It's just – it's different. And not to, you know, say we're going to win the Super Bowl or anything, but up to this point in the season, it, it just looks different. I completely agree, and I think you make great points there. Because it, let's say – same scenario, same run of events happens in the New England game this year and it happens last year in 2020. You lose Tyron Smith. 
You give up a 75-yard touchdown with two minutes left. You have, uh, I know it happened on the last play of the game, but Dak Prescott is banged up a little bit. I mean, any of these things, oh, 150 yards of penalties. Let's throw that in there. Why not? (laughs) Uh, Any of those things happen, uh, any multitude of those things happen last year, you think you're going to lose the football game. You automatically think, hey, there's no way the Cowboys won that game, at least in a vacuum. This year, after every one of those things happen, it's like, man, we're not playing the best, but still feel like the Cowboys can pull this out. Still feel like they can win it. Even after the 75-yard touchdown, that's a a sign of a team that's ultra-confident, knowing that, hey, we just gave up a bomb to Kendrick Bourne in an offense that's literally known for not having the big playability, and we gave up a big play. Let's go down the field and let's kick a field. Dave, have we become that team that has the quarterback that says, oh, you score too fast? Yes. yes. <laughs> have yes. we become that team? I actually, one of the highlights of my Monday, you know, after any game, you just spend Monday digging through what everybody's saying about everything. And I don't I don't know who it was or where it came from, but, you, you know, every time Rodgers does that, there's always – somebody's Snapchat that leaks onto Twitter that's like they gave him too much time. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, they'll take like a they selfie. Selfie, like a, they're celebrating even though yep. Rodgers has 40 seconds. Somebody did that for Dak at Gillette. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't know the guy's perfect. name, but it was some guy. That's awesome. He's got his selfie cam, and he's like, all these Pats fans are celebrating. They gave Dak too much time. I'm like, yeah, they did. Dak, yes, Dak is that dude, to answer your question. It, it's nice to have. It's nice to be on the other side of that, right? Because we, we, like, we've usually been on the side where we've given, given somebody too much time. Usually, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and now we we're on the side of like, if you give us forty seconds, we we believe we can still make a play. I don't say that. Like, I was I wasn't I wasn't doubting him. I have supreme confidence in Dak Prescott. But uh, you know, the Patriots punted in overtime, which I thought was kind of a questionable decision. Honestly, yeah, I agree too. Not a great punt. Dak gets the ball. I mean, they punted, I assume, in hopes of pinning Dak inside the 10. They get the ball in the 20. Right at the 20 where C.D. Fair caught it, And in in my head, I'm just like, if you're worth $40 million, you win this game. Like, that's just, that's all there is to it. And I don't say that as if, like, I'm doubting him. I'm just saying that this is why you're you're worth this money. And, like, not, didn't, obviously he delivered, but like at no point did I even think it, it wasn't going to happen. Right. You know, uh, it was, yeah, it was awesome. You're not alone in that fact. We were in the studio watching the game, and, and Barry Church, who you're on the players' lounge with, with, was standing right next to me. He goes, All right, $140 million man, $160 million man, this is the guy. Like, get after it. Uh, like this is what you're what you're paid for, and I, I want to just play devil's advocate here. Is it so much Dak Prescott, or is it just the offense and Kellen Moore and and just the momentum they have as a whole on that entire unit? Well, it's I mean it's everything, right? Yeah. I, I mean Kellen is in his bag. Obviously, he's doing a great job. The offensive line is awesome. Zeke's having maybe the best year of his career or at least the best year since he was a rookie probably as being all around as being all around oh, back yeah. he was he, he was am- he was amazing in that game yeah. i thought you know like the, he got seven passes he had a couple catches where he like i don't think of him as this like amazing receiver but he made some crazy catches i think he had a bobbled one that got called back by a penalty it would have uh, been a first down yeah yeah and, i mean the way he the way he was running like he only had like one really big one but just grinding for those four or five six yards i thought he was great anyway uh it, it's the whole thing but the trigger man makes it run right and uh i'm not i'm not saying he's the best and i don't i don't think it matters to be honest with you i think i'm stealing this point 
from the athletic football show, which I love, but it's like, like who cares? Like one, two, three, four, five, who cares? It doesn't matter. Do you have a guy who can deliver in those uh, circumstances or don't you? If, if the answer is yes, awesome. And he's worth that much money. If the answer is no, I'm sorry, but but that's <laughs> not that. that ain't the Cowboys' problem. It's really all there is to it. I don't care if Dak is better than Mahomes, Rodgers, or whatever. Can he deliver in those situations? Like, do you have a guy that makes the difference when it matters? And the Cowboys do. And and I will say this: everything Dave said, plus they punted, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, yeah. So the defense came in. Like, I, I think we we're to a point now where um, you can you see that we have a difference maker. At, Every level of the defense. We have a difference maker on the D line with Randy Gregory. We have a difference maker possibly coming back soon with Tank Lawrence. Yeah. You go to the second level, you have a Michael Parsons at the linebacker level. You go to the third level, you have a Trayvon Diggs. You have somebody at each level who can turn the game. And we saw two of the uh, three levels turn the game. All right. You saw Randy Gregory come in, get two big sacks, sack, uh, sack force fumble. You saw um, Trayvon Diggs with a pick six. Uh, you know, at the end of the game, you no, know, albeit he did, get, uh, you know, even that out with the with the touchdown, <laughs> but he still made the play. It, it all goes together, right? Because it's easy to focus on the offense because of all the penalties and the two turnovers in the end zone. But this was this was a not a great effort by the defense overall. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, seventy five yarder that just can't happen to Bourne, uh, and the way that I mean. Um, Dan Quinn said it himself. He's like, we got our ass kicked in the first quarter. I mean, they came out there. They were, they they came out in personnel and packages that the, they just weren't ready for. And for what, four, 14, 14 points in the first, like, two possessions, right? Yep. Yeah, they scored touchdowns on each of the two. Now, a and short then, field does help on the course, first possession. Of course it does, but you still, I mean, they still do it. Yeah. And uh, But kudos to them. The Patriots had, like... The Patriots had, I think, 140 yards in the first quarter, and then, then they had 50 until like midway through the fourth. Like yeah. they they clamped down. Obviously, the Patriots got it back, and that's how they wound up in overtime. But um, I just thought it was a remarkable job of responding to not your best start. Yeah, because because the way the game started, you could have said, "Hey, man, this this is going to be one of those games for us on defense." Dude, I had the meanest tweet written out about the defense. <laughs> I had the meanest tweet. Like it, it was going to be something about. I was like, "Well, it's fall and we're in New England. This feels like a good time for the defense to turn back into a pumpkin." I guess. Oh no! And I held off on it. I <laughs> held off on sending it, and lo and and I wound up deleting it because I was just like, "Well, I, I, clearly I was wrong about this. I, well, they just good. they needed some time." I, I think I think people are finally starting to see why I have the ultimate faith in my man DQ. Dan Quinn yeah. hat backwards sitting up in the booth. Like, I have the ultimate faith in the fact that he's going to get it figured out. You come into the game, you say, oh, man, we gave up some points. We can't stop the run. We can't do this. We can't do that. And then, like you said, third, uh, second and third quarter, it's half of the fourth, we played great defense. Now, you know, we gave up some points at the end of the game, some yards, some 75 yards, whatever. But I also think that is something that you're going to have to live with when you have a player like Trayvon Diggs who's going to make those type of plays 90% of the time, and then he's going to give up a touchdown every once in a while. You've seen, you know, great cornerbacks in the past that coaches are like, you know what, we'll, we'll, we'll take that because what we've seen opposite of that is, is what we really need, and we want him to continue to be aggressive as we move throughout the season. Keep doing you, buddy. Yeah. I, I mean, yep. that's – the 75-yarder the, the just – I hate to, like, make excuses or whatever, but that was such – it seemed like such a fluky play. And I, Dan Quinn said there wasn't a miscommunication. 
And he's like, he was like, I understand why you think that, but that's not what happened. But, man, it just looked like they each yeah. thought the other guy was going for the ball. Let me tell you this. And I, and I, and I love Trayvon, so I don't want to bash him a little bit. But what we know about, what, what we knew going into this game was if you're an offensive coordinator and you have a guy that plays as aggressive as Trayvon Diggs, sits flat-footed on some of the hitch routes, makes those interceptions, is aggressive on double moves, what are you going to run? So when you watch the, uh, the first touchdown to Hunter Henry mm-hmm. uh, on Malik Hooker, if you look outside, you see a double move being ran by the number one receiver and Trayvon Diggs three, four yards behind the guy. He ran out and up. You see it. And I'm watching, I say, oh, they coming back to that. Now, they came back to it really, really late, mm-hmm. but they were yeah. testing him for that game to see, what are we going to do in that got to have a situation? We're going to go with him because he's being really aggressive and we're going to see what we can get out of it. I don't – which – I agree with what you just said, but I don't. It didn't seem like he got like outright burned by the double move. You know, he was in trail. Like that's Quinn talked about this yesterday. He was in like trail position, and I don't. I'm not trying to throw Demonte Casey under the bus either. That was a horrible angle, Dave. It, it and was no, a bad angle. No, that's what I'm like. It seems like they played it well uh, right up until the moment the ball got there, and was, then they both kind of just had a brain fart, basically. It, it was it was a horrible angle by the safety. I, I liken it to like when you're at practice and you can't really hit the receiver, so you have to take right. that weird angle to make sure that you don't that's hurt anybody. What it like. That's what it looked like. I, I it it felt between both of them. It just felt like. Maybe KZ was afraid of a collision, or maybe he thought Trayvon was going to jump the route. I don't know. But it just looked like they were both like, you got it, you got it. Oh, neither one of us got it. I will say this. There was a bad angle taken on the Hunter Henry uh, play as well. I wasn't the best uh, guy playing safety, so I'm going to say it because I can see it. (laughs) Because I can see it, and I've been in a situation, and I've taken those bad angles. That was a bad angle on the Hunter Henry play, and it was a bad angle on the 75-yard touchdown. Now, I would like to see Trayvon Diggs stay on top a little bit 